Hi, you are listening to The Zid and Fizz Show, a talk show for entrepreneurs, angel investors, and everyone else. Good morning, welcome, and enjoy the show. Here they are. Yeah, you saw the, uh, you saw the LinkedIn release. I did. Fantastic news. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations to everyone. Great. Um, it's one of those life science companies. Yeah. As I've said before, you've got the Midas touch yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me or I align myself with the right people or um, definitely. That's so true. <laughs> that was, I, I absolutely, I was jumping out of my seat when I saw that news on LinkedIn. So yeah. honestly, congrats right, cool. to you, the company, everyone. Well, the company is called Siamab Therapeutics. Congratulations to them. And uh, congratulations to the Zid and Fist show and to uh, all the Boston Harbor Angels and all the other investors. Everybody is going to claim, everybody is going to claim um, Victory. success. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And no one's going to tell you the truth about the actual return, but who cares? See, now I wanted to know what was the scoop. How did you know? Where did the, where did your where did how did you figure this out? You you you're just amazing. You know, I have to tell you this one is an interesting one because the I did not see the pitch. I actually sat next to someone who was talking about the company. They had pitched let's I think a year prior, and okay. um, and it's. Um, Part FOMO, part um, I knew the founder from another life, or I, um, and um, it was it was great. You know, it goes. We're back to founder, founder, founder. What are the criteria to invest? Number one founder, number two founder, number three founder. But this one is in your super expertise is in life science. So someone asked me, one of our listeners asked, can you guys talk a little bit more about the steps of the FDA and that whole phase one, phase two, phase three? And I told them, look, there's one man on the West Coast who is it, who is the life science expert. And he's on my podcast every time or I'm on, <laughs> on his podcast. So tell us, explain to the uh, um, to the wannabe life, si- life science investors the phases of a drug. I know it's a bit different for medical devices, but can you do it in 10 seconds? In 10 seconds, my okay, God. Okay, 20 seconds. It's your show. You can take as long as you want. And, and, and let's let's ask this very very important question too. Um, this was a company that you invested in, it, and it took just what one year to get to its fruition, right? Let's make yeah. sure we got this in context because no, that's no. what pharma companies are all about, right? <laughs> yeah. No, don't say you mature. invested. You is a loose term. We don't disclose okay. things. Okay. Um, yeah. The the specific company? Well, no, it it took a while, but. But right. the, so the I'll tell you more once you tell once you tell us yeah. the basics of of what yeah. does pre-IND, what is phase one, phase two, and phase three? 
Yeah. So so there's it's a it, there's obviously I, I brought it up about how long it took for a pharma company to get to its fruition because typically it does take a while and a lot of things that go into putting a successful biotech pharma uh, startup company uh, revolve around intellectual property. You already said it first and foremost, it's the management team. So it's their it's their ability to get things done. Um, and there's also regulatory pathways that are required. And you said it, it's the FDA um, pathway for drug development, which, uh, which takes a while. And it, uh, it has a number of steps in it and they can be complicated, but the way that we look at it and the way that you and Boston Harbor Angels looks at it is not only is it a, um, a, a challenge, but it's also another barrier to entry. So once you go down the pathway of getting the Food and Drug Administration involved in your novel technology, your diagnostic, your, your new drug, um, it is one of those things that looks challenging, but if you know what you're doing, it's also a barrier to entry. So the further you go into it, the further you understand what it takes to get successful from phase one, two, three, all the way to post-market surveillance, if you get to that point or you get acquired beforehand, uh, those are barriers to entry. So, you know, there's there's the very basics of, you know, discovery of, of the actual compound itself, um, getting from discovery to preclinical research, meaning that you show that there's um, efficacy within a in vitro model or a in vivo in vitro within a assay system of some sort or within animals. Uh, you do some animal preclinical studies. So that's the lab, right? So we're, to, we're the in the lab. Someone right. has some idea or a compound or a molecule or something and says, let me try it on a mouse. Let me try it on a mouse. Let me try it in a cell line. Let me show that it is not toxic or that it causes serious harm. Um, of any sort. So there, there are all these preambles before you get anything into a human. Um, and again, I'm, I'm simplifying this in, in many ways, right? Um, and then designing a, so you need to show that it's effective. You need to, you need to show it's safe, first and foremost, safe, it's effective. And then there are stages in which the Food and Drug Administration... So safe means... It doesn't cause other problems. So you can, it could be if efficacious, but not safe, right? You can, it can cause all kinds of other things, but it fixes one thing. That's right. Yeah. So, so that is very true. Uh, and then once you get to a stage where you have approvals to test beyond just a cell model or a animal model, you then move on to human. And this is very important. Obviously, you've already shown it's safe. You've already shown it's possibly effective. And now you need to show that it does what it's supposed to do in a human uh, being. And then that's where things can get quite complicated. And a lot of times, um, uh, you know, patient selection process can also lead to, because it's so important to be able to define the population that will uh, that will respond well to your to your um, your technology, your drug. And if you do that well with the controls being in place and you show that there's more of a positive outcome for those who are receiving the treatment versus the control population, then you can keep moving forward. And, and, and so you do um, 
and then you also do small dosage to people who don't have the problem or the disease to see if that does anything. I guess that's we're back to safety, right? And uh, and then and so it's not. So is it binary? Is it very science? I mean, I'm sure it's scientific, but there is a certain level of interpretation, right? With the data and how you design your study and how how much improvement do people have and so on, right? So it's not as clear cut as people think. Um, well, I want to I, I want to parse that a little bit. So everything that you do in a life science company focused on biotech or pharma, anything that involves touching human beings, the reason why we focus so much on the team is because there is so much knowledge that goes into an understanding of the mechanism of action or the the pathway by which this technology is providing a diagnostic uh, answer to to people. Uh, So so having that understanding gives you leverage. Dealing with the regulatory experts who may be your consultants who have done this before and are reputable, and then dealing with the regulators, the FDA, who are also equally experienced in these areas, finding the pathway by which you can all agree that that you're getting the right answers and the answers are showing safe, efficacious, uh, no harm is being done, and you're getting more of a result that is positive than the controls, then there is a pathway there. So I, I would I would parse it in that way. I'm By the way, that- it is a great honor to interview the great Faz. So <laughs> this is exciting. I'm, I'm, we're going to keep going for at least 10 minutes. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Because, so, the, uh, because it's becoming a hot, I mean, even non-science or non-life science investors now, all I hear are people saying, oh, yeah, we're, uh, and people come to me and say, hey, can you, uh, help us or, or point us to some good companies. So it's the, the market is, is growing. It's no longer a specialty. Even stock, stock investors are interested in life science companies that are public and so on. So this is important to understand all these games. That's, it is very important to understand it. And, and again, I'm, we're, we're both simplifying so much of the complexities of this, but therein lies the opportunity. If you do understand, the complexities, meaning that you actually do study it, or you have people around you who have been studying it for a long time, you have you have an advantage. And we always talk about where is the where is the um, the unfair advantage for investors or for entrepreneurs? It's your knowledge, it's your network, it's the people around you, you know, who you trust and can learn from. So being able to look at these opportunities with a very objective lens knowing where things might fall apart or they might be super successful is where you get your unfair advantage. And have we reached a level where now things are so structured that there is a price for a company that's pre-IND, there's a price for a phase one, phase two, or at least an exit price. It's becoming so structured as opposed to 20 years ago where it was opportunistic or based on on how well you negotiate? 
you know, so we were actually talking about this. You know, I have a monthly call for the Angel Capital Association where we talk about just life science deals amongst a bunch of angel group uh, leaders. And we were actually talking about this. What is it that the corporations are actually looking for? What is the pharma partner looking for? And I, I wouldn't say so much as a formula, but, you know, again, on the pharma side of it, those who are acquiring intellectual property, they are they are also very knowledgeable about their space and they know when a asset like like your company or my company or whatever, they know when an asset has reached a point in which they can take over. And so uh, looking, I don't know exactly how they put their their formulas together of what they offer for a uh, selling price. Um, but a lot of it has to do with the market opportunity and their own internal capabilities and whether it fits really perfectly into um, their, their but is market. It true, is it true that now their big pharma companies are pretty much outsourcing their R&D to startups? So instead of them pouring millions in labs and trying things, they know there's an entire industry out there that's that's innovating. So all they have to do is wait, wait for it to be invented, de-risked, and then they just buy it. That has been a trend for, I would say, many years now, where pharma has uh, has internal projects ongoing. They do a lot of R&D work on their own, but they also have a lot of scouts out there looking at the landscape of new biotech companies that are being financed by angels and by venture capitalists. And by the way, kudos to you and your exit, because what I read was it was principally an angel-led biotech company. Is that that was the magic. Nothing against VCs. Uh, we have a love-hate relationship with VCs, as you know, or a love-love-hate, or a love-need-hate, or a love-need. But there is um, in our industry a push which we love to have angel to exit deals. So, angel, so deals, so companies that are funded by angel investors all the way to the exit. So, VCs don't come and put new terms and really push us out of the deal. And and for a life science to be able company to be able to do that, it's amazing, and it's showing that there is a change in the in the industry. There are family offices, small VCs that love to play with angels, and angels are becoming more and more sophisticated and able to take on these deals, whether negotiation or 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 uh, partnerships or yeah, networks, and um, and that's very exciting. It is very exciting. And, and again, congratulations to you all. I hope at some point when when it's it's OK to do so, I hope that at some point you and the founders will uh, will tell the story. Uh, yeah, we we, we uh, great founder. We probably would invite him to uh, on our show. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. And it it's but the story is always the same always the same it's a story of persistence it's um, whether you're knowledgeable you have the right contacts because most people if you're behind the curve so you say okay well we're going to exit at ind or pre-ind because that's what's happening Mm -hmm. whatever is happening as they say you know sell the news buy the gossip if other (laughs) companies are being bought at pre-ind 
Yes. It's a bit too late for you to say we're going to be bought in two years at pre-IND. So, yes. so what what ends up happening in a lot of these companies, they say, well, exit at pre-IND, and then they say, well, we need a little bit more money or a lot more money. We'll do it at phase one. Now we're doing it at phase one B and then phase two. So, so you have to also have funding sources that help you through this process. Yes. Non-dilutive funding sources, which are the key to success if you want an angel to exit deal. I agree. And and the world's largest angel investor who provides the majority of the non-dilutive funding is our good friends at the NIH. And they yep. provide all kinds of amazing grants for basic science research and also for those that are translating, meaning moving from academics to business. And they have SBIR grants, and yeah, and we are we are very grateful, and I'm sure your company benefited greatly from. Absolutely, I don't think there's any life science companies we've seen or invested in that did not have some kind of a grant at some point, or maybe in the lab before it shows up to to investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on another note, there's some big development. There, there is an a fifth H to our four H's. Oh, this is huge. When did this happen? Well, actually, supposedly it was there all along, but I was informed this morning of that fifth age. Okay. And and so let's, let's, uh, 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 by the way, I mentioned the four H's at least once a week. Yes. For some reason. Good. Um, So let's remind everyone about the four H's. So, and I forget the, there's no order of priority. They're all important. So those are the four H's to define an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. So, and do we agree on the four H's, by the way? Are you a follower? I'm a big follower. I didn't realize there was a fifth one. So now I'm curious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you could, you could guess if you want. So let's remember the four, the first four. So humble, right? Yes. Big one. I love that one. It's so important. Um, number two, honest. That's huge. Number three, and, and by the way, you have to be able to assess these, right? How can you tell if someone is honest? Um, number three is hungry, mm-hmm. right? And number four is hardworking. That's right. So number five, do you want to take a guess or do you want me to tell you? Uh, tell me, I I wouldn't be able to guess. Uh... <laughs> so number five is is humor, is a sense of humor. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And and, and it's <laughs> it's we're not adding it just to be funny. Right. We're adding it because during tough times, you know, yeah. when you're out of money, you're you're you have to be able to smile. Uh, in front of adversity, in front of difficult times, the recession that's going to wipe us all. Yeah. Um, and um, and by the way, if we all agree that there is a recession is coming, yeah. we're going to make it happen by the sheer fact that. <laughs> of course. So there's the no recession. Always... No recession is coming. Right. So, you know, so, so yeah, this is this is awesome. I'm glad you brought up the fifth H because. What you just said of everyone has to have a way of bouncing back from adversity because we face it all the time, whether it's just a 
a tough day or a tough week or no one's taking your calls or no one's responding to your emails, uh, humor will definitely get you through it. And I think we talked about this before also. We touched on it a little bit. You know, the internal stories that you tell yourself, they affect your psyche. They affect your mood. They affect your ability, your energy, your ability to get things done. And whatever it takes, you know, I've referred to poetry at times or favorite quotes or whatever, but those are the same ideas, which is what is it that makes you wake up every morning to do what you do every day? And humor is definitely a big part of being able to bounce. And, and be able to laugh at any situation and, and not take everything so seriously because If you're going to, if, I mean, I've seen companies with millions of dollars basically fail, right? That's so, right. so all these people who take themselves so yeah, seriously, right? And yeah, lose their money anyway. <laughs> okay. So, so you yeah. can, you can smile a little bit. You can laugh and, and make the journey a bit more enjoyable than, than, um, than not. That's true. And, and let's let's also make sure we say appropriate humor because there can also be toxic humor, right? Uh, yeah, so yeah. Toxic humor means or demeaning. Becomes, humor. Yes, no, yeah, no, that becomes joke, and or you failed, and you're not taking responsibility, and everything is a joke because it's not. But 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 there, there is definitely an appropriate place for humor to drive an entrepreneur or an investor forward, right? You don't just give up because one of your portfolio companies uh, didn't do well. You figure out what happened, tell yourself a story, figure out what you learned from it, maybe turn it into somewhat of a humorous thing of like, I keep slapping my hand. And so therefore it always reminds me of something humorous that happened. I learned from it and you go forward. Yeah, and, and you keep a smile. Smiling is key. If you smile... And uh, one of my favorite jokes, by the way, I don't know if you if I told you that joke <clears throat> because it's related to a company you know very well, and that is your your friends, your the company that has the chicken that lay eggs. Yes. And, yes. Yes. And uh, so there they call them. What do they call them? The the chicken. They call them their uh, the yeah. collaborators or. Collaborators, yeah. yes. Yeah. And they lay eggs. And yes. um, and my joke is like, okay, so we're going to all wait for an exit. Exit. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, that's very true. And so I, I'm I take I take credit for this joke. That's very good. You should definitely trademark it. Yeah. No one's ever come up with that at all. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Well, if that company has an exit, then we'll see. We'll But, see, uh, exactly. Yeah. There's certainly more behind what the solution does, too, because there's um, there's definitely some humor behind uh, the product itself. Um, but let's let's go back over this. So humble, hungry, honest, hardworking humor. And you said there's no priority to this. But ideally, the investor or the entrepreneur or both have all those qualities. You can't, you can't, you can, you can kind of judge people on a first encounter. How long does it take you, Ziad, 
to actually get a sense of who that person is across the table from you? Is it really just immediate that you know all five H's are there? Um, in a pitch situation in a room or in a one-on-one -on -one meeting? In so, a room. In a room full of people. Can you sense right away that you've got someone with those five H's right away? Yeah. So humble, yes. Honest, yes. Um, hardworking. You might ask some questions here and there. Um, and hardworking is the least important one, in my opinion, because hardworking can be confused with a workaholic and burnt out. Um, and then um, uh, hungry. Also, yeah, you, you, could, you could tell within 10 to 20 minutes. I can tell, I can humbly tell that I'm building my own portfolio. So I'm, I'm, um, um, I can tell fairly quickly. Also, if I'm the one leading the conversation and asking the questions, it's yeah. always very difficult, I find, if you're doing an assessment or a due diligence meeting with an entrepreneur, if it's a room of four or five investors and one entrepreneur, so you cannot you cannot have a, a follow through in your, because you ask a question, right? And then you're trying to manage it and want to ask the second question that leads to that third question that allows you to make a full story, but someone else jumps jumps in, asks another question. So you really cannot uh, fully control the environment, even though you can watch them answer the other investors' questions. So that's helpful to see yeah. how they react. But uh, it's a mix. You have to be one-on-one -on -one in a room or in a restaurant, which is the, my favorite thing, the lunch test, and then figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Say something about the lunch test, Ziad. I think you I already did, but I'll say it again. This is my favorite thing. Go to lunch with an entrepreneur and then see how that goes. What they yeah. order, how they treat the, the, the waiting staff, um, the way they eat, the way they manage that whole event, because that tells you, because when you have a meal with someone, there's a hormone that gets released in the body called the, I think it's, I forget what's it called, oxytocin or something. And that, that's the, the, the bonding hormone. So if you have a lunch with someone and by the end of the lunch, you really don't feel a connection, that means there's no connection between that person. If by the end, there's trust, you like them, everything is, is, is good, that's a big step forward. Yeah, and I'm glad you're saying that because, you know, a lot of entre entrepreneurs uh, end up asking the same question over and over again. How do I get an investor to invest in me? How do I how do I get them to yes? And what we're trying to outline in this discussion here is there are many things in it in terms of the deal itself. It's not just because you are who you are. It's a lot of things. But first and foremost, the genuineness and authenticity of the person across the table from you is something we're looking for. We're all looking for a way of feeling connected to one another. And I think everything you just described with the five H's is this, this concept of, am I connected as a human being with the qualities that I think I recognize in myself and I see that in the other person? How can and, you tell yeah. Ziad, how can you tell Ziad if someone is playing you? Is, are there some are there some cues that people give that you feel like oh my goodness this just didn't feel right? Well, you know one of the things if every answer 
you feel that it's exactly what you want to hear. Right. So, right. so if you're, if everything goes super well and, and it's a bit tricky, I mean, it's a whole, there's, I mean, years of psychology. Um, but, but if you, if something is not right, what you need to do, I feel for investors, they need to follow their gut. Mm-hmm. And then if something is not right, it means it's not right. But then if there's FOMO and there's other things, ultimately you re, you'll regret it down the line. I agree. And, and uh, it's, um, that's how it is. And it's because we're, we're early investors, right? We invest in people. We, I mean, there's product, there's IP, there's all that, but, but it's, uh, um, by the way, what's the weather in San Francisco? We forgot to ask that question. We right? didn't even talk about it. I felt something was missing from the beginning. We had a really hot spell for almost a week, but uh, this week it has cooled off significantly. So it is yeah. foggy, it is cast and cool, just the way I like it. Seriously, so do you have fog? I've never spent more than five days in San Francisco. So right. is it foggy every single day, really? So, so I live on the west side of the city meaning if you look at the center of the city where twin peaks is uh mount sutra twin peaks i'm on the west side closer to the ocean so my side of the city is definitely 10 degrees cooler than the east side which is where downtown is and all the big high rise so on the east side there's definitely warmer weather and it does get hotter uh, but if you want cool you stay on the west side and so typically during the day what happens is the fog just kind of melts away on the east side and it just stays behind the hill uh on my side of the city and waits it just sits sits there so yes my side of the city is typically foggy but if i go over to the east into downtown it'll be sunny but the fog will be just resting on every day every every day waiting for it to cool down so palo alto and san jose it's a bit different they are they're further south and it's typically hot typically 70, 80 degrees, but they're sun- further away from the ocean. Yeah, they're further away. So people who love hot weather, yeah, go further south. And people nice. who want to stay, stay in San Francisco. We've had, if anybody cares, we've had hot hot weather in Boston and sunny. So it's been great. And, That's uh, awesome. But the problem that we have, and this is a, there are two problems in the Northeast and probably out West as well, but that have been really annoying. And um, one is ticks and Lyme disease. So I would like to to, to uh, um, put a public announcement. We need more startups in the Lyme disease space. True. Uh, diagnostics, all kinds of things in Lyme disease. And then the second one is shark attacks. Yes. You're, there are more and more shark attacks. Them? You're against them or are you for them? Uh, well, I think sharks should be left alone. I mean, if there's an area where there's shark attacks, I just don't go swim there, period. And it's very simple. But now there are more and more shark attacks in areas with beaches and residential areas, Cape Cod, uh, Maine. So what do you do? Is there maybe a startup will have something that tells you a shark is coming, get out. I don't know. Uh, I I, I want to tie these two things together, though, because uh, some of it obviously has to do with a common theme, which is uh, whether you believe it or not, 
There is there are glaciers that are melting. In fact, one significant one just disappeared recently. Really? Um, yeah, and and so the common theme here is you know for Lyme disease, the ticks they're actually coming further and further south um, because of the change in weather as it gets warmer and warmer across the country. Um, the the deers that carry the ticks and the ticks are more comfortable in warmer climates. Um, they're prevalent so we're seeing more of that happening in geographies where where we didn't see it before and, and the, then the winters are not as cold so the ticks not are not cold. dying in the winter no exactly um and in fact they're i have a couple of friends who just came back from their trips to uh to alaska up north and you know a lot of the areas there where you used to have gigantic glaciers they're melting away pretty quickly so um, what can we do Faz? you Stop know taking the private jet to stop taking the private jet. I don't know, but you know, th there are a lot of uh, things that we can do uh, to prevent uh, these things and really requires consensus uh, amongst, you know, we have billions of people on this planet. We have lots of ways all of us together can do something. Um, and again, it, it, you just have to believe that, that we can do something and, and we have to try. Otherwise, it may be too late at some point. Yeah, if everyone does a little bit, yeah. stop using plastics, travel less, don't travel unnecessarily, and uh, and be conscious of it. I mean, the next generation, they know so much more. That's um, very eat less beef. I just learned that if you had the choice between beef, chicken, and pork, you should definitely eat chicken and pork because they can eat any waste, while beef only eat grass, which require pesticides and all kinds of um, chemicals, while chicken and pork and, and pigs can eat anything, like literally any waste you throw at them, they'll eat it. I see. I, I, wanna, I know we have some friends in Iceland who are uh, listening to our podcast, so they're the ones who recently said farewell to their, to their glacier, by the way, uh, and they put a plaque uh, up there to designate the central spot in which it used to occupy its, uh, its status as a glacier. It's gone. So wow. it's, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's O-K-J-O-K-U-L-L. Okay. -O, -L -L. so um, there you go. Well, it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is some good news. I mean, it's not good news, but it's an unintended consequence. Soon we're going to have peaches up north. <laughs> so... <laughs> so. <laughs> There's buy some land, buy some yeah, land. Yeah, well, go up north, and our Canadian friends now are going to be the hot place to be. So. The hot place to be. That's very true. That's very true. And so, and uh, yeah, yeah. The the issue. So to go back to the startups exits and all that, and we go back to the mechanics of the exit. So there's a new. There are, there's a three-layer system that I came up with that might interest you. So when you look at the company, there's the product, right? Mm -hmm. Layer one. So what do they do? They invented a little widget that has an engine or, or a medical device. The second piece, the second layer, or the second the outer circle is the business, you know, the things we care about, management team, advisory, board, all that. And the third layer is the deal. Yeah. So I keep telling entrepreneurs all the time, please don't. It's not that we don't care about the product. We assume you have a good product. Otherwise, you wouldn't be out there talking to people. 
we care about the business and the deal. A great product in a weak business with a bad deal is of no interest. Exactly. Right? And, so, and even a great business with a bad deal, why would investors invest in a weak or bad deal that is even if it's a great business? Sure. Great advice. And again, I, I, I think the big issue here, Ziad, and that's why we're hopefully uh, promoting, uh, hopefully, uh, ideas and thoughts for entrepreneurs and investors that they can, that resonates with them. But, but the idea here is, this is not just about raising money. Everyone thinks that entrepreneurship is just about raising money. It's not. It's all of those layers that you just outlined. The reason why your company achieved their exit as they did was more than likely they took your words of advice very early on. More than likely they had a strategic plan that pre-IND they wanted to achieve some sort of a liquidation uh, strategy of some sort. So having that, that understanding of how this life cycle of a startup works from the very beginning and working your way through it so that so that it's not just about money um, makes a lot of sense and your story you know being able to tell your story along the way so that people can actually get uh, an understanding of your progress the milestones you're making so that your corporate partners are also in line with your story all these things tied together i always say the shortest distance between an entrepreneur and an investor is a story. That's what you do. You you have said that before. I've heard I you get, say it. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> one of just, my. I've coined this, and um, yeah. Well, it's 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 very important to to understand as an entrepreneur, you're a storyteller. As yeah. investors, we're entertainers. <laughs> As as entrepreneurs, your storyteller. If you cannot stand in front of a room and tell a good story, you already are at a disadvantage. Because people not only, yeah. not only with the investors, Ziad. The the point is it'll it'll work the same way with your partners. It'll work the same way with your uh, acquirers. It'll work the same way with your service providers. If you cannot tell a story then uh, everyone's going to be sitting there scratching their heads, wondering what's going on here. And then you can't, yeah, it's the ability, like they say, a good manager can execute a plan, a good leader can influence other people's behavior. And that's what I, you are as an entrepreneur. So, you know, I, I, I've, started to, um, I've started to condense most of my presentations now down to, um, down to like two slides. And the way I'm doing it these days is I'm taking some of the acronyms that I've, I've come up with, you know, BYN, BYNI, and I've, I've categorized them. So I can essentially take one slide, show you six acronyms that I think are your executive skill sets that you need, and then show you one acronym on the right-hand side that is your uh, execution strategy. And I can tell you an entire story that normally would have taken me 40 or 50 slides with a lot of details down to one slide and show you that this, what you do as an entrepreneur are a set of executive skills, much of it revolving around your network and your storytelling and your execution skills. Yeah. Uh, that, that's and, it. And then executing on milestones and, uh, um, and then also showing that you can 
you can put together a team that it's your your um you're not going to rely on your investors for everything. They just invest and you get things done. And and that's what's exciting when you have an entrepreneur or a team. Usually co-founders are important because it, there's a lot of work. So having two people really, really helps. And um, and and so so it's yeah, I and you so know what I tell people? The presentation is done when you're done taking stuff out of it. And we have a tendency to do multiple slides. Most presentations can be done in two or three slides maximum on any topic, on anything, unless you're doing a deep science presentation to scientists about your discovery. Yeah. You know, Ziad, I'm going to use our our story here for a moment as an analogy. Um, Had you approached me uh, nine years ago, eight years ago, it doesn't matter how many years ago, if you had approached me and said, Faz, we should do a podcast, I would have told you, no way, I I don't feel comfortable. It took 10 years for me to finally feel comfortable with what I have gained in knowledge and experience and burnt fingers and everything along the way to essentially practice my trade, to build my network. So everything that I am saying about what entrepreneurs do, I am doing it for myself too. I'm building my network, I'm telling my story, I'm rehearsing in my own mind, how do I make this clearer? And so so it reaches a point where I can articulate things in the most direct and the most um, authentic way possible. Uh, And I hope that resonates with people, but the idea of actually practicing your craft, practicing your storytelling, it really does show so the fact that we are even doing this podcast in 2019 instead of 2010 uh, means that both of us really decided that it's it's taken this time period for us to feel comfortable with our story, comfortable with what we can communicate with people. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree. And I think we're comfortable with the subject because we are we are um, we've been burnt. We've learned, we've seen hundreds of presentations, hundreds of, of entrepreneurs. You and I have mentored together. Yes, and, yeah. uh, and that's talking about the podcast, by the way, we're, I think we've added two more countries. Oh, and, wow. uh, uh, <laughs> and so it's going to be a global podcast. So yes. we want our wow. listeners, if you know anybody from another country, please tell them to listen. <laughs> I love it. That's great. It's, it's, I'll blast uh, it out to the United Nations tomorrow. We'll exactly. And uh, so yeah, this is this is this is great. We're looking forward to the fall season that starts in a few weeks. That's when the podcast is going to kick into high gear, and then also our investment season is going to kick into high gear. So this is all very exciting and Faz it was great another show episode 12 thank you very much and see you next time take care thank you for listening to the Zid and Fish show I hope you enjoyed it learned something and had a good time remember you can send questions to talk at zidandfid.com until next time bye bye